0: there's so much going on that it's hard to figure out <laughs> where we should start talking and what should we should address first. Uh, one of the big problems is what's going on. Most people don't understand what it is that's actually going on. They they are easily led by headlines and and you see it in uh, it used to be in papers, but now it's all on the internet. And I mean, papers still do it, and magazines still do it, where they. They're trying to get your attention by stating something, that get a photograph or a picture or something that draws your attention because they want to get you to look at their their feed, their newspaper, their magazine, because the more people that look at it, the more money they get. So they're driven by the money. This is what you call clickbait, where people are trying to get you to click on their story. The more people that click on their story, the more money they make. All of our Audios and videos and books and everything. We don't make any money when you click on them, look at them, read them, cause we're not interested in just, we're not interested in making money. We're interested in awakening people on an individual basis so that they begin to walk a different way. Uh, while I was waiting for the, this show and podcast to start, I was, Gonna look up a few quotes in the Bible on darkness. Curse not the darkness. And there are so many quotes in the Bible that talk about darkness and talk about light. And, and you can't walk in darkness and in light. You cannot mix the dark and the light. Of course, when, when light comes into the presence of darkness, it's no longer dark. (laughs) That's it. It's over. Uh, when darkness comes in the presence of light, which it really doesn't actually do, Light does not go away. Darkness is the absence of light. That's it. It's just the absence of light. Light is the positive force. Darkness is the vacuum of space. Vacuum actually can have an influence on you. You know, it can pull you in. But it is not a a positive force in the universe. Except for the fact that, you know, if there's something missing, there will be a current to fill in the gap. You know, uh, nature detests the void and darkness is the void. And so, understanding that this basic principle of science and how God is constantly and Christ is constantly equating darkness and light, you could, in your mind, get a hint to the mysteries of the universe and how things work. You might not get that hint because you may be dwelling in darkness. And you cannot see the truth about light and about the nature of things because you're dwelling, you're sitting in darkness. And that's, that's one of the references and there's all kinds of quotes in the Bible about that. They're trying to impart to you the way in which you fight the evil in the world. The evil in the world comes about. It is a product of this darkness, of not seeing, of not hearing. You know, like I said, Don Lemon had a quote that uh, somebody put up. Of course, people can get tongue-tied. I do it myself. Uh, He was saying those people, uh, something to the effect that those who have ears see, and, and it sounded absolutely ridiculous. And he prides himself on looking calm and controlled and all this stuff. He may be very intelligent, but he isn't very wise because he dwells in darkness. A lot of what the way he thinks is at that level of darkness. And he doesn't want to see the truth. He can be very smart, but, you know, that's like the the snake. He's very cunning and very clever, but he doesn't really see the truth. And so, therefore, if you're using him as a source of news you will get a distorted source of news. He will give you a distorted picture because he cannot see the whole picture because he cannot see the light. Now, I hope he does. And I don't want to pick on him. There's a lot of newsmen out there who have the same problem. There's a lot of people out there. So we go around and we try to tell people what the truth is, but they don't have eyes to see or ears to hear. They can't see it. They cannot even... Figure it out or talk about it or think about it. So anyway, we still try. But what we're trying to do is put a light on a lampstand. Put a light on a hill so that you can see. Those who want to see, they can follow a certain path and that light may increase in their life. They can't see, you know, like I I talked just a week or so ago about somebody who came here and saw all kinds of things when we talked about them. When they first came here, they actually became very almost morose and angry. And uh, it was kind of an interesting scene where I came with somebody else and, and that person told me that he was very upset and didn't want to come out and didn't want to see me again because of what I had done the day before. And I had no idea what I had done the day before. I just talked to them, both. I had met them for the first time and they came out here and they were staying in an extra house that was available to us. We put them up in that house. But we had a conversation, and somehow or other, he was extremely offended by the conversation. And I was completely oblivious to it. I, uh, you know, I mean, I I sensed there was a discontent in him, and I spoke to that in a roundabout way. But it just made him more angry. But anyway, the, so I thought, well, okay, I'll just walk over there, and I'll, I'll see what's up. And I go in, and and... All the shades are closed. <laughs> the whole the whole house is dark. I mean, it's, it, this is like 10 o'clock in the day. I'd already done all my chores and was back. And he was sitting in the dark in this house. It had all kinds of windows on the south side and had all kinds of light coming in. Uh, one of those individuals actually lives in that house now. But the, the individual that was upset, he's, he's somewhere else. He's actually moved to another country. He wasn't from this country originally. But he was very angry and upset, and I was trying to figure out why, and we had a little bit of a short conversation, and I kind of realized why as he began to say why, but what he was saying was not really why. <laughs> because he didn't. He really couldn't see the problem yet. He felt the anger, but he wasn't able to see what was really making him angry. And we you know he overcame that particular uh morose uh dark place that his heart was in, and eventually uh we had other conversations and eventually you know he he went back to his home country and but he came back again years later, and he remembered that and he came back specifically you know I was just kind of the caretaker <laughs> of that extra house and uh we didn't know each other before. And we really didn't know each other after. But when he came back years later with his wife, he had to come and see me. And when we talked again, he said that he he realized he was all excited about what he was hearing now. Again, which is the same stuff he was hearing before. But, uh, of course, you could say it a hundred different ways or a thousand different ways. I hope a thousand because we've already got about 400 programs out there. And he he began to want to hear more and more and more. And he was just so excited about what what he was able to hear. And this is all new to his wife, but she was listening. And he was saying, this was so important. But when I went back home, I couldn't say any of it to other people. I wanted to describe it and tell them what I had heard, but I couldn't remember it. And see, that's because it wasn't his light. You see, if you don't dwell, if you don't walk in that light, you will lose sight of the truth. You will not be able to see the truth or the evidence of the truth as it appears to you in your life. It's it's like you're in a lower dimension. I doesn't you know, just a different dimension. You don't have to say lower, but you cannot see what's going on around you. You may see the events. Of things happening. But you will not be able to put them together. In a way that you actually understand. What is happening. So the question is. How do you get to that higher level of consciousness. Some call it a Christ consciousness. They got all kinds of names for it. But how do you get. So that you're actually born again. And have a different perception of things. And see things in a clear light. So you can actually see What is going on? If you don't get to that place, personally, you get to that place, you won't be able to fight evil. You will not be able to stand against evil, and evil will be able to manipulate its way around you and actually cause your destruction, bring you to destruction, bring you to do things that will destroy you. And last week's uh, program on uh, Media Madness... I I mentioned how the grid in Australia is absolutely devastated. It's been destroyed. I mean, an army might have had trouble creating such a destructive damage upon their grid. Actually, probably wouldn't because Australia is almost totally disarmed now. It's incapable of defending itself against any real foe because they've gobbled up all the guns of the people. I mean, some of them are coming back, but... That you know, they don't even make their own ammunition for their army in their country. It's a staggering. They actually have a country that has actually—I don't know what's going on right now—but a few years ago, they actually awarded the contract to make their ammunition to a country that has openly preached its destruction. <laughs> That's openly. You know, from the highest uh, levels of their government preached the destruction of Australia, that country actually got the contract for making the ammunition for their army. And, of course, it was devastating, the ammunition, if you understand how, you know, a shell, a bullet shell works. What was happening is that the brass in each bullet was poorly manufactured. And so that after you know, so many bullets, I don't remember the numbers now, I wrote an article about it years ago, you know, even if it was one in a hundred, it would blow the back when the gun went off, it would sever the back of the shell at the thin part of the neck before you put the primer in, would sever that from the bullet and leave the brass still in the gun, which makes it impossible for the next bullet to come in. So after a hundred bullets or 80 bullets or whatever it was, the gun was rendered useless. It would have to go back to the factory to get that brass out or create some sort of tool. Imagine if people will create a tool where they can get it out quickly. But, uh, you, in the field, you would not be able to make that tool. And, you know, this is how vulnerable they became. They actually, they're, they're like equivalent to a PT boat that guarded their coastline and protected their coastline. They made them with magnesium holes so that if they got hit by, you know, a hot round, it, the whole boat would actually explode into flames that cannot be put out with water. Actually, water makes it worse. Just huge, stupid mistakes, one after another, that made them very vulnerable. Now, they may have solved some of those problems now, but the reality is is that I believe that that those stupid mistakes, those comes a, about. Because you're not conscious of the whole universe around you, you may be conscious of you know what's around you and some things and you know this person is there and this person is saying this and that person, but you can't get a clearer picture because your mind, your consciousness, will not take in all the information that's coming in. You you actually cannot see some of the processes that are going on around you. Therefore, you are, you know, you're blind to what's really happening. Therefore, you can't come up with a real solution because you cannot see what's really happening. So it's absolutely important that you raise your consciousness to a level where you can see all the things that are going on around you. And then you can get that, I mean, it's... it's, you know, if you walk in a room and there's a little tiny bit of light, you still may bump into furniture and trip over things that are on the floor. And, and uh, you know, you can't, uh, you know, like I, I came into the office and I hadn't turned on the light yet. There's a little bit of light coming from the, one, the window. And I would try to put my computer back and plug all the wires in and I couldn't see, <laughs> see where everything was. So I had to turn on a light. See, And that's kind of what life is like. How do you turn on that light so you can see things more clearly? You know, I can talk about these things, but unless you upgrade the light in your own mind and heart, you're not going to see what I'm telling you. You will not be able to put the information together where it will make as much sense as it needs to make for you to see what you need to do personally. One of the things that lowers that level of of insight or sight or light in your life is anger. And I I had a little conversation with somebody who lives in South or Central America, I guess, down there, and they're very angry, and you hear it in everything that they post. And they've gotten onto a Facebook deal, and you know, I thought about just you know dumping them off, but uh, because he is so negative. So much anger, all police are bad, all governments are bad, you know, and he's just it's like these social justice warriors who just complain and complain and complain about things, but they're just angry they're just angry at what they see in the world, you know it's the banker's fault, it's the you know the federal reserve's fault, it's the democrat fault it's the republican's fault it's the it's everybody else's fault, and they're just angry at all these people and what i was saying is hating unrighteousness does not bring light you you're not going to see more clearly by hating others you know i can talk about bankers i can talk about the federal reserve i can talk about the the some of the programs that different you know like fdr's program that has actually done more to destroy the united states than the german army <laughs> that's right they've done FDR's programs that he started before World War II and went on for quite a while and the ten didn't see to follow such schemes in the future that has gone on after his death has done far more to damage and destroy America than all the German army and Italian army and Japanese army put together. It's much more dramatic to see Japanese kamikaze meatballs coming in and bombing Pearl Harbor. But more damage has been done by the socialist type programs of FDR because the damage is more subtle. It's not more dramatic. If you could go back in a time machine and see uh, America talk with America, walk with Americans in 1909 and then walk with Americans today the contrast would be staggering It'd be be just s- stunning your very uh, sensibilities and you might not know why the the contrast is so great to to read the news back then and read the news today you will see some of that contrast except for the fact that news if you go all the way back to Thomas Jefferson's day, Thomas Jefferson was saying, if you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read the newspaper, you're misinformed. And that, that same principle applies today, whether it's the newspaper or watching TV or, or, or media on the internet. If you, if you look at it, you're misinformed. <laughs> If you don't look at it, you're probably uninformed. Somebody was saying on Facebook the other day, somebody actually know posted something about, we need to teach history again in our schools. And somebody else said, no, yeah, we need civics being taught. The fact is that if you were to teach true history in school today, I don't know who you're going to get to teach it because your teachers don't know it. It would be unrecognizable to most people. You know, I've... I had a, a history professor who lived next door to us intermittently. He had a place out here, a cabin out here. He's passed away since. And just in short little conversations, helping him out with the construction of his house and doing a few repairs on his house, he he thought he he thought I knew more about history than he did. that he was getting a huge salary to teach history. <laughs> Had a pension. He didn't get to enjoy because he died early. He died way younger than I am. But uh he he did not know history. And he's from the old school. You know, he went to college back not too much different than you know, he was a little younger than me. But uh let's see I I don't know, maybe actually at that time he was a little older than me. So he actually went to college before I was college age. I actually only went to college a little bit later. Uh, well, I went to college way back when I was 13 years old. I had classes in college. But uh, uh, I wasn't really getting full college credits for them because I was supposed to be attending high school. <laughs> but anyway, later on I did attend a college at the University of Minnesota, but to study forestry. But most of what I know I learned outside of school. I never went to public school. But most of what I know today, I have learned since I had nothing more to do with school. And actually this week I went back and did a great deal of research going back to the early uh Roman census days because a census is supposedly mentioned in the Bible. And uh, so I wanted to look at that. And an interesting thing, of course, I, I had done research for... You know, more than a day, put together all kinds of information and notes and everything. And then actually, something happened where the computer ate all the information. I had to start over again from scratch. I had my track, so I went back and put it all together again and saved it in several places, so I did not lose it again. And uh, we'll probably do a program on it but on the census. But I woke up and came out like I usually do in early in the morning and all of a sudden I had a revelation that said, look up this word. <laughs> and I thought, why would that be? And I looked it up, and it was the key to everything that I had been doing. And I knew, I went back and gathered much of the information that I was trying to find uh, that I had lost uh, because of this error, uh, digital error of the uh, the computer. And... uh I had put together all the data, but I hadn't rewritten it yet. I just put it, gathered it up before I forgot everything and <laughs> knew where I was looking. I was going to put it together that morning, was getting ready to do it, and I had this revelation to look up a particular word in the Bible. And it changed everything. You know, I mean, the same history will be reported, but now I can report it in a different light because I knew that a particular word was not what I had thought I was actually going down that line of inquiry for, for other reasons, and then I found out that the, knowing the definition of that word cooperated. Now, I'm, I'm kind of ambiguous in all this because we'll put it in in that study when we do it, but we'll probably do that in another week. What we're going to talk about a little bit today is some of the other things that I came across this week, and they actually affect climate change because back in those days of Rome... The earth was warmer than it was in this last century. That's right, it was warmer in this last century. We'll we'll talk about that when we come back. So anyway, we'll we'll start off by looking at first Timothy two and we'll get into First Timothy three. And I'm doing this to kind of set the scene so that you kinda of understand. Now again, you have to stop hating evil It says that Christ doesn't hate the Nicolaitan. He hates the deeds of the Nicolaitan. Much different. And so when I I posted an article about the fact that the Iranian government has sentenced a woman to 38 years in jail and 140 some odd lashes for being a part of trying to defend women who take their hijab, a scarf on their head, off in public. And so that, that, she gets 38 years in jail. Well, you know, it's better than being a homosexual. They throw them off the roof. They kill them. And and they think they're doing them a favor by killing them. It's, and, of course, now some people who read the Old Testament think, that, well, that's just what the Old Testament says. And we, we've we shown already that that's not actually what it says. <laughs> that stoning had nothing to do with with necessarily hitting people in the head with rocks. That's not what stoning was about, and it's because people have twisted the translation. We could go into that. We have. You can go to our websites and look for that and find out about stoning and what the stone altars were, what the clay altars were. But uh, you've been led down a path already, and you have to be willing to go back so that you can walk in the light. If you're willing to accept some of these things that we share with you, it's, it's a sign that God is writing upon your heart and your mind. You have to keep walking in that way. You have to be a doer in order for, to get more light. You cannot, if you, if you go back the other way, you will lose the knowledge of God that has been given to you as a gift. Because understanding what we're talking about as a gift doesn't come because you're really, 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 really smart. It comes because you're willing to think in this area that Christ was trying to lead you to, in the light of Christ. And now, now you can start putting together the abundance of information that is coming in when you're in whatever situation. Because there's all kinds of information coming in. You know, this is how magicians work, is they're right in front of you, they will deceive you by distracting what you're seeing, distracting your eyes, and making you look over here. This is the problem over here. Look at this problem. Don't look over there. Look over here. And they deceive you. Goes on every day in the news. (laughs) That's what's happening. They show you this. They get you all worked up. They get you looking over here. And you don't see what's really going on. If you don't see what's really going on, you can't fix it. You can't even avoid the evil that is coming. And, And you will go down. With the evil. Because evil, you cannot fight evil with flesh and blood. With the intellectual cleverness of your mind. You only fight evil with light. With understanding. Once you begin to understand what's really going on around you, there will be an extra power in the room. You cannot understand what's going on around you till you understand why you do what you do. And if you hate people that are doing bad things, if you're angry at those people, if you're going to keep pointing out that those people are doing bad, those are evil people, they have bad ideas, and they are promoting people who have bad ideas, and you say somehow or other that they are bad, you're going to miss it. You're cursing the darkness. They don't see because they have not yet light. Let light into their own hearts, and so therefore they will promote people who will do bad things. They will elect evil leaders. You think you're going to overthrow the evil leaders with a gun? You're missing it. You know, we point out this American Revolution that a huge number of the battles in the American Revolution nobody died in. <laughs> Huge number of the forts they took, nobody died. They took Fort Ticonderoga, nobody died. Actually, one guy did die when there was one cannon so big. I've told the story many times. One cannon was so big they could not move it, and they didn't want to leave it there because if the fort was reoccupied, they could use it to shoot boats out there on the on the lake. And so they. Fill it full of gunpowder and they stuff mud and everything into the mouth of the cannon and they lit the fuse and they're gonna blow the cannon up and make it unfunctionable. Well, one idiot just had to look. They're all hiding way away. One guy had to look and he looked around the corner of the building because he wanted to see, you know, like maybe it was taking a long time for the fuse or whatever. But anyway, when it blew, so did he. And that's the only casualty in taking the Fort Ticonderoga. How in the world can you win a war and you don't kill anybody in some of the major battles? (laughs) And some of the major successes. Even the last, when George Washington showed up, he showed up with a superior force, caught him completely off guard, and really there were almost no casualties. Most of the people, like Valley Forge, died of exposure. And why did they die of exposure and stuff? Lots of stupid mistakes and the way that they were constructing their shelters and things like that and because they weren't being supplied by other people and, and that's why you know people talk about militia people or you know second amendment people talk about it's time for a revolution you have another revolution in the United States and the death toll will be in the millions upon millions upon millions of people and you will end up in with a worse dictator Because you don't have the moral character. Even those Second Amendment guys holding up, you know, they're right. They do have a Second Amendment right. They actually have a right predating Second Amendment to defend themselves and their family and their neighbor. It's not just a right, but it's a responsibility. But you're missing so many other characteristics that are necessary for a free society that your society would only get worse with a violent revolution. Unless you begin to wake up. Because you won't be making the right decisions. You won't be able to see. You won't get up in the morning and realize, oh, I've got to go look here. You won't realize that. You won't have the revelation. Unless you start repenting. Thinking a different way. And walking in a different way. And that's what Christ came to teach the people. That's what the apostles were teaching the people. And that's what the people were doing that Paul was writing to when he wrote his epistles. You're not doing what they were doing. You're not thinking the way they were thinking. So even when you read the Bible, you don't get it. And when other people read the Bible to you, these pastors out there, you know, somebody also wrote that he was leaving the church because it was just so bad, he thought. And people were saying, well, you're not losing the faith. And, and the, I read all these comments down, and it was terrible. Uh, none of these guys understood what the early church was doing. None of these guys, that they all had, when all the ones who were posting on that group, had some sort of religious belief. But none of the churches that they were mentioning, none of the religious practices that they were mentioning, has anything to do with what the early church was doing. They were completely ignorant. Of what the early church was doing, because they're actually all, you know, I don't know about everybody on that group, but at least everyone that I could see posting, are doing opposite of what Christ said to do. And they don't even know it, because they sit in darkness. And even if you read the Bible, if you sit in darkness, you will not see it. So anyway, in 1 Timothy 2, it says, in chap, in verse 25, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Wow, that's just huge. Now, we could have, you know, actually I got back to this verse because I read a verse, I actually was looking up a verse way down in chapter 3, but... I said, well, no, I got to read the thing before that and before that. And so then I got into chapter three and I got to verse 25, or chapter two and verse 25. And I started thinking, Oh, I could keep going back to, you know, in the beginning. <laughs> so I had to stop somewhere, but you can go read it yourself. if You want to read before that. But in, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, when you're angry at the world because it's not doing the right thing, you know, whoever it is, in whatever country, the Iranians, or, or the Jews, or the, or, you know, I don't know, the Muslims, uh, if they're not doing the right thing, and you're angry at them, you're not gonna receive the instruction you need. You're gonna miss something. Because you're not doing it in meekness. The, the instructing is not in meekness, it's in anger. You have to put that anger aside because anger draws you into the dark side, right? That's what Yoda says. (laughs) You don't want to be sitting in the dark. You want to be getting in the light. You have to love your enemy. I mean, that's a very careful, very uh, touchy area to walk in. How do you love your enemy? Well, are you getting upset when you see what they're doing? I've done that. I've gotten upset when I saw some of the stuff that people were doing. And then I found out what I saw them doing wasn't actually what they were doing. Somebody had set up the scene to make you think that's what they were doing. And I realized I had fell prey to that. And I had to, you know, go through a whole process of repentance, which is changing my thinking. And he says, if God pre-adventures will give them repentance, not them repenting, God is going to give you that different way of thinking. And then you will be able to acknowledge, recognize the truth. and and So that's a gift. If you begin to see, it's a gift. It's not because you're really, really smart. So anyway, when I share things and you begin to see certain things, and we have lots of articles that tell you about all kinds of things that are going on behind the scenes. Don't be angry. Don't be upset. Don't be afraid. Receive the instruction in meekness. Turn on the light. Verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, the adversary, who are taken captive by him at his will. The whole world's in a snare. The whole world's back in the bondage of Egypt. It's worse today than it was back then. Bondage of Egypt, 20% income tax, that's it. To grasp the state, that eventually increased. You, you pay almost 20% Social Security. And you have no right to the benefits of Social Security. <laughs> we go through all that. Uh, but you also pay income tax and gas tax and property tax and everything you buy. It's that tax upon tax upon tax. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Exactly the way First Samuel 8 said it would get as you've looked to have a ruler. And so you go out and you say, well, let's vote for a ruler who's better than Saul. <laughs> well, you're going to end up with a rail bomb eventually. And he's going to, you know, my father whipped you with whips, I'm going to whip you with scorpions. And we can look at Iran and say, oh, wow, 38 years, 140 some lashes just for taking off a scarf. Well, they're really bad. But what are you doing? And somebody was, that was what that one guy was pointing out is that, oh, you're a part of that other system. Righteousness is, you know, the fact is that other system, which is the same system in every country, is just, you see different levels of the horror of these systems. And I agree that, you know, the United States government has done lots of mistakes. And because it's very powerful, I mean, millions and millions of people have died in the last century and in this next century. And the United States has been instrumental in their death. And you know, I mean, World War Two. I mean, our bombing of some of those countries over there made the Blitzkrieg of the Germans look like a patty cake party. And we bombed civilians. And we dropped a bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I knew somebody who was in Hiroshima when the bomb landed. It used to be my neighbor. It's amazing, the neighbors. It's kind of like Siddhartha. i got all these neighbors who come around, and there's almost no neighbors out here. <laughs> but, uh, uh, they each one has a story that shows me more about the history of uh, uh, of our times. But the reality is, is that that's the systems of the world are what we call the unrighteous mammon. Mammon is tr- entrusted wealth. That's what mammon means. Entrusted wealth. Most of the, when we're going to be talking about Rome before the show's out today, uh, they had. An unrighteous mammon, a mammon where they had entrusted wealth, huge treasuries. They provided free bread for the people and took care of the needy of society. And they had had this public religion that provided for the social welfare of the people of the Roman Empire. Great. But that's the unrighteous mammon because the money they had in their treasury to do that and buy the free bread and take care of the needy was obtained by force. Forced contributions. And, but they were legal contributions because, at Most in most cases. I mean, there's probably corruption and abuse. But people had signed up for this system where they wanted the government to force their neighbor, usually foreigners, to contribute to their welfare. They didn't care where the government got the money to provide the welfare. They just wanted the free bread. And, but... It was the unrighteous mammon because it was not provided by free will offerings. It wasn't the result of love. It was the result of covetous practices and the and the practice of force. And it would eventually lead to the loss of liberty. And the Romans all heard that it would lead to the loss of liberty a hundred years before it really got going by Polybius, who we also quote, Often on the website, who warn them that this you're going to end up with tyrants if you go this way. Well, America went this way with FDR and many other presidents since LBJ. And uh, and uh, and all the Democrats are promoting this idea of forcing the rich to pay for your welfare and borrow money against the future to do it. And it's going to lead to tyranny if they go that way. And so now you have a choice in elections. So uh, do I elect the guy that's going to take us to tyranny in this really fast express train? Or do I elect the guy who's going to take us to tyranny in this slow-moving conservative engine? (laughs) So those are your choices out there. But if you're in the unrighteous mammon, you have a right to vote. Hopefully you'll vote righteously you have a, a right to run for office because you're in the unrighteous mammon. It's what, in, in our study that we just finished on the Bible, I mentioned towards the end, because it was a quote that was actually towards the end of that particular study, the household of Caesar. The household of Caesar is all those people that are merchandise in the unrighteous mammon. They can't necessarily get out. And before you seek the kingdom of God, you need to seek the way of the kingdom of God, the thinking of the kingdom of God, and that's why repentance is mentioned first. So Paul is praying for the household of Caesar. That's all those people that are in the system of unrighteous mammon. What did Jesus say about those in the unrighteous mammon? Did he say curse them, get mad at them, get angry with them, want to destroy them, You know, say bad things about them. No. He said, be friends with the unrighteous mammon. For when it fails, if you're friends with the unrighteous mammon, which means pay your taxes, do righteousness in that system. I mean, it's like the centurion. He signed up. He was a centurion for the Roman government. But Jesus said he had tremendous faith. He's in the system. He's sworn to finish out his term. But Christ said he had faith. So, I don't care, you know, where you're at when you begin to wake up. But I can tell you this, you do not curse the darkness. You have to receive instruction in meekness and realize, oh my gosh, I'm in this system. I'm going to do right in this system. And I give you a hundred stories about that because I have lots of people that are in the system that are dealing with the problems. And, you know, that's why we brought up A2, uh, S22 in the Oregon Constitution. We have an article on that. And are explaining because we want you, if you're in that system, to learn to awaken to the instructions of righteousness. And when you do that, God will give you repentance. He will change your mind. He will show you things that you did not see before. And you will be able to acknowledge the truth and do accordingly. But if you don't have that repentance, you won't even be able to see what's really going on. And you'll go out there and you'll try to solve the problem. Get Kylie and save her. I mean, I haven't heard yet if she's had that operation this week. We talked about her last week, but you know. And this is what we'll be talking about when we get into the this next, what's well, probably be next week. This other series that I've been putting together. That. There's a reason why you got to this point. And we're going to show you a lot of history that will help you connect the dots. But unless you have that spirit of repentance, that meekness of heart, you won't see it. And therefore, you will not see a solution. Therefore, you will not be able to find the solution of the problem, which is in Christ. You think you know Christ, but you're still workers of iniquity. And hopefully, we will get you to the point where that can be changed in you. So anyway, when we get to verse 1... In First Timothy three, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Is he talking about us? No, he's actually talking about the last days of the Roman Empire. He's not talking about our time, but guess what? It will fit our time because history repeats itself. Because you're all back in the bondage of Rome, back in the bondage of Egypt. You've gone back to the ways of Rome, and we've. Written dozens of articles that show you how parallel you have been. But you don't know history, so a lot of you don't realize that. You think, no, I'm in the United States. I'm in Australia. I'm in... No, you're back in Rome. Making the same mistakes that Rome did. So now you need the solution. And the solution is Christ and what he actually did. But you don't know that history either. So... We give you the history of Rome so that you can see the parallels, but we also give you the history of the early church so that you can see the solution. And he tells you this in the next verse. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) You know, they used to have a book, uh, a magazine called Life, and then they had one called People, then you had one called Us, (laughs) and then you had one called Me, and another one called Self. We've been going towards this lover of their own selves for quite a while. And we've immersed ourselves into that. And we cannot see above the level of that selfishness. The next thing he mentions is covetous. Absolutely that. we The entire systems of social welfare are based upon taking away the property of your neighbor. Or borrowing against the future of your children. Cursing your children with debt. And you're all surety for that debt, so you're all merchandise. And that's just that's just facts. You know, we show you in the legal system why that is. We don't show you that to get you mad. We're showing you that to show you that you're falling into these perilous times of the last days in your time. What's the next thing he mentions is covetous then boasters? Proud. Uh, Greatest country in the world. No. Well, yeah, you may be the greatest country in the world, but that's like saying I'm the sweetest smelling skunk in the litter. (laughs) Because you're doing lots of things bad. Now, truthfully, I think great things are happening in America. And a lot of Americans are doing great things. And there are some people in the U.S. government. The United States is different than America. America is just people. The United States is a government. There's a lot of people in the United States government are doing very, 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 very bad things. And there's a lot of them that are just lazy and slothful and, and covetous and selfish. And there's some that are really good guys. But by whose standard? Who are we going to hold up compared to... Compared to this guy, you're really good? Well, he's not that good to begin with. Compared to Christ, are you really good? Well, maybe you've fallen short of that. And we're we're only pointed out, not because we hate you, because as many as we love, we also rebuke. So we have to show you where you're doing wrong and hope that you get that repentance that only comes from God, that changing of your mind. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. You see any of that going on anywhere? (laughs) That's pretty common. I see that all the time just in the news. Despisers of those who do good. You know, if somebody does a good thing, you know, like if Trump actually does something that is good, you know, I'm sure he's done some good things, they despise him anyway. They don't care. But some people who really do good, they despise. It's just showing you the levels. But the same principle applies. And he's going through all the different ways in which the darkness of your heart manifests itself. All that can go away in a minute by lighting that candle in that heart. How do you light the candle in their heart? By hating them. You don't do it. By despising them. You know? No, that's not going to bring light into their heart. Now, you can't force the light in. They will hate you. If you try to do that. But if you bring it in... Okay, great. So... What's the other thing? Verse 4. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. They want their benefits. They want their comfort. They want their nice house and their heated, you know, uh, seats in their car. <laughs> I was in a car the other day, the guy had heated seats it, and he says, did I turn the heating the seat up too much? And I realized, oh. I didn't know that, he he said, I was glad you told me that, I thought I was getting sick. (laughs) where's where's all this warmth coming from? (laughs) I said, you could turn it off, I don't need that. (laughs) So anyway, he turned it off. But anyway, having this form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. That's going on all the time. When he says turn away, he's just talking about gathering with them and depending upon them. He's not talking about pushing him over a cliff. But you have to realize that you're in that place. And let's turn around and go back. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. We talk a lot about the kingdom here. And we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about. Which is what the first century church was really doing. But just talking about it is not enough. We encourage everybody to join us in their local neighborhoods, in their local communities, to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network There, It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect. They don't walk on water. They are not necessarily saints. But they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And join us on Facebook. Facebook Facebook.com. His Holy Church. All one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. You must become a doer of the Word. So welcome back. So anyway, we were talking about... Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we just read verse 5. Verse 6 goes on to say, the same people that have this form of godliness, which is what you're seeing in the modern church, which is why that guy who had evidently been going to church was no longer going to go to church anymore because he saw the church preaching a destructive doctrine and he didn't really think it was the doctrine of Christ. I see other people, you know, all the time because of the different groups that I, I visit from time to time. You know they they hate organized religion. And they think all churches are bad. They throw the baby out with the bathwater, and and but they're not doing what the early church did either. And uh, the home churches, they say, in the early days the churches just gathered in homes. Yeah, but what they do in those homes is that what you're doing? No, that's not what you're doing. Actually, most of the time you're doing what the Pharisees are doing when it actually comes to the practice of pure religion. But they don't know. But the, the the reality is many of them do not want to know because they, they want to sit in darkness. So we've been massing together these huge websites of data and information and facts and everything and also creating a living network of people who will have the opportunity to become doers of the work. And that's what the church was supposed to do. It was to facilitate the people actually becoming doers of the word can't make them do it because we can't exercise authority we have to be patient and loving and that's what it gets into in the next verses but it says these these ones who have the form of godliness they go to church they sing songs they talk about jesus they talk about them loving jesus but they're actually still workers of iniquity and christ said there'd be many such people and it actually sounds like it's the majority of people claiming to be christians are actually that way But amongst every single one of these churches, you will find people that are actually getting that repentance from God and will be able to eventually acknowledge the truth. Not a lot going on right now, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't need a majority to actually repent. And and that's where we need to go. So it says that sort of person that creates this This form of godliness that looks real good on the outside, like the Pharisees, you know, all the whited sepulchers look real good, but really full of dead men's bones. It says, for of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. Now, the word woman appears in Proverbs more than any other book of the Bible. And they talk about wisdom, and they talk about silly women, and they're actually talking about the nature of mankind. You know, I was uh, trying to pick up a bale the other day that was full of moisture, and it was a really extra long bale, and I was in precarious position trying to put it up on the top of a truck. And I got it up there, and I was trying to push it in, and my grandson came along, and he was helping me push it on to the very top of the truck. And and I says she was a little stubborn there, and he says, "How do you know it was a she?" <laughs> referring to the bail. <laughs> I says because it was a little stubborn. <laughs> I was just chauvinist of me, I know, but uh, we just laughed about it, joked about it. But the reality is that we we personified these certain traits. And I actually heard my wife saying "Yeah, you know men are often this way you know and she was right about what she was saying but she was equating a certain characteristic with men and we do that it's not we're not putting all men or all women into these baskets but that when he says captive silly women he's talking about men too he's not just talking about women he's talking about a certain nature of people who want to feel good Want that security of the nest, and sometimes are willing to sacrifice the truth to obtain it. And you don't want to be one of those silly women, which is men too, that want the same thing. You don't want to be that. And the diverse lust, that's these or I mean, what does it mean, diverse lust? It's, it's wanting those things that, you know, even if it requires that you take away from your neighbor. Like one lady down here was a teacher for years. She's passed away now too, much younger than me. But, you know, she, she heard somebody mention, you know, about government spending and she says, not my purse, not my purse." She didn't want her retirement to be given up. And, uh, you know, it's amazing, you know, when I look at the, what they call PERS, it's the state retirement that a lot of government employees get. There's actually people collecting $700,000 a year. <laughs> on government retirement, amazing, huge. I mean, people, they actually knew what was going on behind the scenes, they would just be shocked. and uh, But they don't know, and they don't want to know, and in many cases, they're incapable of knowing. And even if they did know, they wouldn't know what to do with the information. Some people are seeing some of these things, and they're getting outraged. But if you don't know the tactics of Christ, you won't win. You'll just get angry at the system. Like the system is the problem. No, you're the problem because you haven't received the repentance of Christ. No, the real repentance. If you did, we would see you doing what the early church did and we don't, I don't see you doing that. Of course, many of you don't know. So when we explain it, now do you want to do that? So it goes on ever learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. See, I, I can give you facts. I can give you information. People disagree with what I say. I will set aside programs you can come on and debate me. Show me where I'm wrong. Just get a hold of us and we'll set it up. But I don't get too, too many takers on that. But it goes on. Now as uh, Janus and Jambers withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobates concerning the faith. Now you can be in government, you can be a policeman, you can be a congressman, a senator, even a president of the United States, and be that man of faith. You're in the unrighteous, man, and even Cain, who was going this other way, God said that, you know, you can still be blessed if you do righteousness in this way that you've gone, this plowing Adama. That's what the world is doing. It's a plowing Adama. Adama, it's making them line up. If you do it righteously, you can still be blessed. But unfortunately, the power that they get in these systems usually corrupts men. And they end up abusing that power. And that's what you had with Cain and Nimrod and Pharaoh and Caesar. I mean, one Pharaoh was a pretty good guy, but then another Pharaoh came along and he wasn't. So you create offices of power and you think, oh, well, we got a president who's doing all these great things. He's going to be gone eventually. And the same power rests in that office for the next guy. They were warning that in this whole ridiculous circus impeachment process that if we set up these rules, like they were saying, if the Democrats set up these rules and do it this way, when the Republicans get in power, they will have those rules to use against you. They will have the precedent to use it against you, and they warn against that. Because it really doesn't have anything to do with the rules or the system of law that you're under, and this is what the Iranians need to understand. If you want to win against evil you have to raise the the consciousness of your mind. You can't do that on your own. You have to be given repentance. So in the fight I want people to constantly not dwell in darkness, to turn around and repent. Because the corrupt minds, the reprobate concerning the faith are everywhere. But they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be manifest unto all men and theirs also was. When you become a source of the light you can walk in the room filled with evil men and they will lose their power. Because the light that comes in with you stops them from functioning, stops them from being able to do the evil that they do. It is the light that you need to be bringing, not cursing the darkness. I cannot emphasize that more. And that light will be raised in you when you see your own hearts and then he says in verse 10, But thou hast fully known my doctrine. Talking to those people that are actually doing what the early church was doing, which most of you out there in the world are not doing. Fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose of faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. Because that's what love is. So anyway, the other thing that I was going to point out is, uh, you know, we actually just went through another solar cycle in the... The magnetic field of the sun has reversed as it does every 11 years and we've started seeing more sunspots as there, which will bring more climate change. The climate change that alarmists have been putting out there for a long time is actually driven by big money. Just uh, Michael D. uh, Schellenberger, president of the Environmental Progress uh, Institute, uh, came out with a statement, no credible scientific body has claimed climate change threatens the collapse of civilization, much less the extinction the extinction of the human species. And yet some activists, scientists, and journalists make such apocalyptic assertions, which I believe contribute to rising levels of anxiety, including among adolescents, and a worsening of political polarization. This guy is not a climate denier. This guy believes that there actually is some global warming. And he actually believes that some of it is caused by man-made carbon. And he's advocating nuclear power plants. And he, he's perfectly okay in doing that. He's actually looking at the science. And re, uh, but I can show you thousands upon thousands of scientists and even Ph.D. people that are, are signing petitions saying they don't believe that there, any, there is any significant global warming due to the activities of mankind. I mean, we're talking thousands upon thousands of scientists and even PhDs, you know, people with doctorates. Now, I, I look for Schellenberger to see if he had a doctorate, and they don't seem to mention that in the article. But he is a scientist. And he is the head of a a climate institution. He says, my colleagues and I have carefully reviewed the science, interviewed individuals who make such claims, and written a series of articles debunking them. In response, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change invited me to review its next uh, assessment report. Harper Collins will publish our research findings this June. So that's not even going to come out to this June, but he's saying there isn't this call for you know what you're hearing from people like AOC and other stuff. And he he's on the climatologist side who think that there is global warming and that somehow or other it's related to man-produced carbon, which is a huge you know correlation is not causation. There's no evidence that proves that. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of evidence coming out that's saying that the carbon increase is actually more due to global warming. And I'm saying that global warming is caused, and and scientists say this, I'm just quoting other scientists, it's caused mostly by the sun and the rotation of the earth, how we operate in that. So... uh uh, he says, does that mean we shouldn't worry about climate change? No, that's not what it means. But we need to know what's going on before we find a remedy. And money powers are pushing this fear, climate climate alarmists, so that they can get things passed in this unrighteous mammon that will suck you dry even more. And you, so how do you fight that? Again, it's about turning on the light. Now, you know, the... The, there's a Maori tree that they just uncovered in New Zealand, uh, that lived for about 1500 years. They lived for a really long time. But it lived, now their estimates is about 42,000 years ago. That's their estimates. But that may or may not be accurate. But it lived a long time ago and they uncovered it. And they're looking at the tree rings. And uh, he says, understanding what happened to the tree during the event could provide an insight into what we could expect the next time it appears. We will have increased cosmic radiation. It will take out satellites. It might take out other communication instructions. What event? What event is he talking about? Well, he's talking about Earth magnetic north pole shifting to the South Pole, just like we saw in the sun this last year, because the sun does this, like I say, every 11 years. The planet Earth doesn't do it very often, but it does do it. And they see evidence that it was doing it, actually did it, then it reversed back rapidly, back, you know, thousands of years ago. And this Maori tree was growing during that period, and they see this reversal of the magnetic field taking place during the, its lifetime. We know it's taken place many times in the history of the Earth because we see igneous rock that has that switch of the magnetic pole. Well that's the other thing that was in the news that the magnetic pole is rapidly moving uh from uh Canada, northern Canada, North Pole to uh towards Siberia. What what that means, I don't know. Could it flip? Yeah. What would that cause? Increased radiation, all kinds of things. If there were solar flares at the same time, it could cause all kinds of... I mean, you could literally see fire and brimstone. Am I trying to get you afraid? No. am just saying there's a lot of stuff going on that the science is not settled on. People don't know. One of the things I talked about last week is that if you have places like CNN or uh, NBC or ABC for your news, you should listen to other news. One of the other news is... Uh, uh, Fox News, but you can also look at foreign news feeds now if you have the Internet and examine them. But of course, what you really need is the Holy Spirit so that you can filter that information through the Holy Spirit and it can guide you in seeing what's really going on. You cannot make a home for the Holy Spirit in yourself if you're hating what you're seeing going on in the world. You have to be at peace with it. And, and be meek and humble and know that God is in control, and let God take that control, you're not going to fix it. You just have to do His will in your life. But there are other places you can look for news is, uh, and you know, and I've, I've known about this guy for a long time, Mark Levine, and he has some very interesting perspectives. None of these people should be your single source of information. Uh, you know he's very critical of Israel, for example. And Mark Levine, you would think he's Jewish, and I, I suppose he is, but I don't think he's Orthodox. You, I don't know. Doesn't really matter to me. But I listen to what he says filtered through the Holy Spirit, and I see him very, being very critical of the fact that Israel is very this nation over there. They call it Israel has nothing to do with the Israel of the Bible. I mean, any more than the modern church has anything to do with Christ. I mean, they use his name all the time, but they're often taking it in name and sometimes in vain. And sometimes they're blaspheming Christ because they're preaching contrary to what he preached. Paul didn't do it. This fellow on the Internet that I was telling about that was so angry all the time lives in Central America. You know, he says it would have been better off if Paul would have died in prison and never wrote his epistles. Well, obviously, he doesn't understand Paul. That <laughs> just shows you the anger that is in this guy. Uh Paul is easy to misunderstand because Paul talks to you about things that are hard to understand. And if you don't have the ability to understand them, you're going to misinterpret Paul. And you'll want to take Paul, which most church does, take Paul out of the context of Christ. And guys I know, they're really nice guys. Very sincere guys. Very religious guys. Very close to the kingdom of God in what they do and how they conduct their life. They take Paul out of the context of Christ, contradict what Christ said because Christ supposedly said this before the crucifixion and after it had changed. So now for, we're going to listen to Paul and not Christ? Are you kidding me? I mean, when he was saying it, I could hear him hearing himself saying it and thinking like, oh my gosh, am I actually saying that? <laughs> but of course, I was there. When I'm not there, he probably says it without any reservation. Because there's no light in him that will show him how foolish that is. Christ said you had to be a doer, not just a sayer. Modern church says, no, you just say you believe and you're saved. But that's not what Paul said. He says, if you're doing these other things from such, turn away. Why? Because they have no inheritance in the kingdom. So Israel over there, you know, in the Middle East now, this country they call Israel, heavily socialist country heavy progressive income tax they don't even have clad coin they just have iron coin you know they have debt notes they, they char, charge property tax sales tax income tax all are use taxes all are usury that's what usury is is use tax they break every rule in the book as a matter of policy that's not Israel Israel is a place where God prevails. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't a lot of great people over there. I don't know all of them. I've met some that were, you know, uh, over the years, but uh, and I thought they were pretty close to the kingdom. But I don't need to know out there. I mean, you can, you you can live in Israel and join our network that is based on what the early church was doing. I'm not interested in the unrighteous mammon. I'm interested in you doing righteousness in wherever you're at. Now, they have a lot of things going on. And, and they're, uh, what is it, Netanyahu, uh, he's in a lot of trouble. Guys are trying to take him down just like people are trying to take Trump down. And, of course, I'm aware that Netanyahu and Trump are not my salvation. My salvation is Christ. I pray for them every day. That they do the right thing. I pray for their enemies that they do the right thing. Which is to repent. But uh, Netanyahu doesn't have some of the immunities that, uh, as a prime minister over there, that are built into the system over here. So whatever he does, that may change according to where he's at. But what I'm preaching is that you raise yourselves up by the power of God. By doing the will of God, and He will give you repentance. He will change your mind so that you see what the real problem is, and be able to deal with that real problem. But people don't understand that. So some of the words that Levine said in one of his recent shows—I think I had a, it was on one fourteen twenty. I guess that's the way he identifies his shows. And I listened to it just to get another source. He talked. There was somebody who brought up the fact that what's going on in the United States government and I guess also in Israel is sedition. They're trying to overthrow the government by creating lies and all this kind of stuff. But to charge with addition, sedition means that you would actually send soldiers in there to arrest people and create that conflict. And I'm warning you about any type of militia or military conflict trying to solve this problem. If that's what you look to to solve the problem, you're not going to fix it. The military is not going to fix it. The militia is not going to fix it. Even your vote is not going to fix it. That doesn't mean you can't have a militia and a military and a vote. Even running for office will not fix it. What fixes it is light, the understanding of Christ, the wisdom of Christ. In order to get that, at the same time you're involved in all these unrighteous mammon, and you still be a friend with the unrighteous mammon, like the centurion, you can start walking in faith. Start doing what the early church was doing. You don't have to leave the system and stop paying your taxes and throw away your number or the mark of the beast or whatever. You have to repent. Think a different way. In order to think that way, that has to be given to you. In order for it to be given to you, you need to become a doer of what God is showing you. You need to act upon it. One of the things is to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded. Which means to create that network of people that love one another. That go to church to do good rather than feel good. They're not lovers of self. They're lovers of others. They go to sacrifice so that others might be saved. That's why Christ came. If you're not doing that, you're not coming in the name of Christ. So, yeah, you can still vote. Don't think that voting is your salvation. It's not going to fix things. But it doesn't mean you can't do those things. You just have to do them righteously. What's the reason you're voting? What is the reason? You don't have to vote on everything. You don't have to vote on anything. You have to start following what God is putting on your heart. But if He's put, if it's coming on your heart in anger, in resentment for the world, and the people in the world, then it's not coming from God. It's not coming from Christ. And I'm amazed at the amount of corrupt people that are in government, and we can always point them out. You know, like Judge L. C. Uh, Hastings, I think he's from Florida. Took hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes in order to give people, uh, you know, uh, uh, less sentences. And of course, we had those judges up in Pennsylvania, you know. And and he got disbarred. And but he, as a judge, but then he ran for Congress and got elected again. And, but but you know, and then and the only reason he wasn't criminally prosecuted, they tried to criminally prosecute him, but uh, William Borders. Uh, I don't remember exactly what his position was, but he he was to testify but refused to testify and went to jail because he refused to testify. But guess what? Bill Clinton gave him a a full pardon on his last day in office. (laughs) And the guy let criminals get away with taking bribes because there's a bunch of good old boy stuff going on out there. And then, like I said, in Pennsylvania, you had those judges who were taking bribes to send kids to jail, to keep the jails full because the jails were run privately. The layer upon layer upon layer of corruption that you're going to get when light is not ruling society is, is almost infinite. How dark things can become in these last days. So how do you fight against it? Cursing these judges, people wanted, you know, to take those judges out, and you know, and I go, you know, they just had a bunch of judges. Was it in West Virginia? I think it was. Where were all indicted. Some of them may go to jail for a long time if some somebody doesn't pardon them. But they're all taking corruption and abusing funds and for their own personal interest, and they're getting away with it. And, you know, how many congressmen have become millionaires on congressman salaries? How did they do that? The corruption is, is extreme. You need to turn on the light. And one of the things that keep you from turning on the light is you continue to bear false witness. You need to, if you say you're going to abide by the Constitution, you need to do it. If you say you're in the system, you need to, like Jesus said, pay Caesar if you owe Caesar. But you also need to find out what the church was doing in that first century and start doing that while you're still friends with the unrighteous mammon so that you will be suitable for more righteous habitations when it fails. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So what I was going to talk about uh, for the rest of the show, or at least uh, we'll touch on it to kind of... People, one of the things that... uh I was going to say is this uh Project Veritas that uh O'Keefe James O'Keefe I guess James Edward O'Keefe uh was uh a part of where he goes in and he actually tapes people saying what they really believe and then sharing those uh audio and sometimes video tapes with the public. He's done an interesting job and uh, he's gotten into a lot of trouble doing it had a lot of, uh, been taken to court and everything because of what he was doing. And, uh, it's, uh, been, uh, kind of a roller coaster ride for him at times. But I guess he recently got a judge who said, yeah, it's okay what he's doing. And so, anyway, one of the stories that just came out this week was, uh, about a guy who, uh, uh, who was a Bernie's Sanders' supporter, and his name is Kyle jarock and uh and he was saying things and he caught it on video and and tape and and uh I guess it's not tape anymore it's just a digital video, <laughs> and they have ways of it. what I would think would be interesting is a lot of people that are having their because of repentance, their conscience is waking up, and they go in because it was ruled that it was okay that he actually taped these things or again video them. Make a recording. And, uh, now I'm sure he'll be attacked again in another court and another court and another court. But anyway, this is his way of fighting against injustice. Again, your salvation is Christ. But you have, and you only obtain that salvation when you become a doer of the word. You repent and become a doer of the word. You can't even repent without the grace of God. But the grace of God will come to those who hear his word and do it. His sheep hear his voice and follow him. Not following him, not his sheep. You have to be following what Christ said. So anyway, write that down. I think it's already written down, but a lot of people need to be reminded of it. But anyway, this guy, you listen to the things that he was saying. It's shocking. You know, like the gulag's. You know, he actually is telling people this. I don't know who's listening to him. He's telling people that in the gulags they were paid a living wage and they could go home on the weekends. What are you talking about? What universe have you been studying history in? The gulags, the road of bones. Nobody was going home on the weekends. <laughs> you You know, some of the, I mean, the stories, I mean, people were eating each other at times. Yes, and thousands and thousands of people died, millions of people died in these concentration camps, real concentration camps. And uh, the suffering and the brutality is unbelievable. Why did all that come about? There were a few people who escaped. Some great stories of how they survived escaping out the back door all the way to India. They walked across Mongolia. <laughs> Amazing that they even survived uh the, these difficulties to escape those places. Uh, but thousands of people died. And, I mean, they just died in the woods and died in the snow and died in the mines. And the Road of Bones, why they call it the Road of Bones in case... You know, I I mention these things and I think sometimes I'm thinking that everybody knows what I'm talking about. But they were building roads out in Siberia. And Siberia, you know, there's a lot of permafrost and everything. And they're digging out and building up the roads. And the way they did that, they did the same thing in northern Minnesota. Uh, They would cut cedars, which was prominent in the area. And they'd pile up dirt and they'd put the cedars down. And then they would put dirt on the top of that and if they could get gravel they would put it on the top of that and that's where they constructed these roads through these long boggy, swampy areas for miles and miles and miles. Well when I worked for the Forest Service up in uh the Pacific uh, in the north woods of Minnesota and Lake of the Woods in that area, I would go along early in the spring and that you would see logs sticking up out of the road <laughs> Because the frost had turned these logs, slowly been turning them, you know, because it freezes on one side of the road. And the roads went on straight line for miles and miles and miles. And it would turn the logs up. And then the frost heave, because it freezed so deep, this isn't permafrost, but freezes freezed so deep that it would force the log up. And you'd see these stomps coming up in the middle of the road, just coming up through the road. <laughs> And, and I would go along with a chainsaw and saw them off at the road level. Well, the road of bones, they have something similar happen, but it's actually bones sticking up that stick up out of the mud and out through the gravel that are forced up because they're more dense and the frost forces them up. Because they didn't have, they didn't have the time or the energy to bury people who died, so they just buried them in the road. They just put them in the road and then their bones now are still coming up. I don't know, they're still coming up, but for years and years, the bones would creep up with the frost. And so that's why it was called the road of bones. Cause you still see those bones. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy people say in the gulags. This guy, and then is this quoting of common history, I mean, in our lifetime, he doesn't know when riots took place or why they took place, or he doesn't, doesn't understand what socialism is, what communism is, why it fails. Most people who are against socialism don't know why socialism is so bad. Social—they just know it's bad. They know capitalism works, socialism doesn't. They don't—they don't know—they don't know, cannot see, which just goes back to what we we're talking about. Why it doesn't work. They may recognize that it doesn't work. They may be against it, but they don't understand why. Because coveting your neighbor's goods, bearing false witness, not taking care of your parents, uh, injuring your neighbor, you know, you know, that, that's why there's two commandments about coveting. They can't covet anything that is your neighbor's. It goes on in great detail. Borrowing against the future, which is violation of the Sabbath. Making covenants with people who are not of the ways of God to get benefits from men who exercise authority one over the other, which also includes covetousness. And because those men borrow against the future also is a violation of the Sabbath. Because that's what the Sabbath is about. It's about staying out of debt, doing the work first, earning your way. All those, every time you violate those things... It lowers your consciousness, your ability to be conscious. It, it brings you greater, greater need for repentance, changing your thinking, because it's altering your thinking as you do that. So if you take an oath to abide by the Constitution of the State of Oregon and then get elected violating Article 2, Section 22, if you want to know what that is, go to Preparing You and look up Article 2. Section 22, and it will show you, it will explain it to you. But bearing false witness lowers your ability to fight evil. It lowers the level that you, and the armor that you have to fight evil. You think you're going to defeat evil by getting rid of the corrupted people at the top. While you're bearing false witness, you're fooling yourself. Christ is giving you the answer. Moses gave you the answer. Christ did it better. But they were in agreement. You need to turn around your thinking and go the other way. So when I mention things that are going on in the news, and people like Mark Levine, and and uh, actually there's another guy, uh, Dan Carlin. Uh, C-A-R-L-O-I-N, not O-N. But he has uh, hardcore history. Instead of listening to music and stuff like that, you'd be better off listening to him telling you a little bit about history. And to show you how this destructive process works, we'll go into greater detail, but I'm just going to touch on it in a little bit of time that we have left. Caesar, Julius Caesar, came to Gaul. Gaul est partes tres est. I think that's what it says. I translated it when I was 13 years old, uh, going to St. Joseph's College. I, uh, and, uh you know, from the Latin into the English. And I, I just heard recently, and actually uh I listened to a podcast. I think it was Podcast 60, you can go listen to it, of uh Dan Carlin and Hardcore. And he was talking about the Holocaust of the Celts. And uh, it's very interesting. It goes by. You, if you listen to him, you'll probably miss a lot of what going. But he's very in-depth. It gives you a very good view. And you, if you're careful and listen to him, you'll see how many of the things that he's, he says is going on at that time are echoed today in our own modern history. Although he doesn't necessarily point it out, but he does say it enough so you can catch it. I don't know if he's intentionally doing that, but I certainly caught it. That... Julius Caesar went into Gaul and killed over a million Celts. Now, they didn't do it with aerial bombing and uh, and uh, artillery. They actually did it by sticking sharp objects into a million people and killing them. Now, they did do some aerial bombardment. They They had... These, uh, catapults and stuff that would fire, f- fire brands and rocks at people and so. But most of them were killed by the sword. We're talking a million Celts killed before he was done. And that's just phenomenal. It, there were people in Rome, uh, who wanted, Cato as, as an example, wanted when he came home to march through his triumphant, you know, and show all the great things that he did and everything, With all this popularity. He couldn't actually go back to Rome at first. Because he owed so much money. But uh, he actually couldn't even leave Rome. When he first went towards Gaul. Until somebody else paid a lot of his creditors. But he was doing all this to make money. Because he was broke. He would overspent. And uh, he was very good at making money. And a great deal of the money that he made. Was from the slaves that he sold. There was a lot of money in selling slaves. So selling these Celts mostly women and children, into slavery was making him lots of money. And, of course, he was financing his troops. He was able to do all these horrible things. But, like I was saying, Cato wanted him to be tied up and changed and sent back to the Gauls so that they could do what they want with him because he was a war criminal. Julius Caesar was a total, total bad war criminal. But the people accepted him. And very clever how he got that acceptance of the people. He bought their conscience and he bought it for a pretty low price. How was he able to do that? In this is around fifty eight BC. This is, you know, fifty years before the birth of Christ, that he's he's doing this, this mass genocide of people to the north, and then there was another one later on, mass genocide of people in the north over by the Teutons. The Gaul is the area of what we call France and Spain today. Why was he getting away with that? Because the conscience of the people, generally speaking, had already lowered. So they could not see the evil of it. And they were sowing the wind and they would reap the whirlwind generations later. How come they were doing that? Because they fundamentally changed just a few things in society. Shortly before that, with another guy who, you know, I I mentioned in this article that I'm going to release next week, hopefully if I get it all done. But uh, they call it the Marian changes or reforms in the military of Rome. It went from an all-volunteer army to a professional army. And it was now going to be paid by the generals who were over those armies. And uh, they would be financed originally. Their armor and everything would be bought by the government not by them. And this would make them a stronger army, but it would change the nature of the people, change the nature of the army, change the nature of of Rome and slowly through a process degenerate Rome. So that they when they had a vote, they would vote like perfect savages. And it was changing them subtly, slowly, and they were worried about invasions from the north. And we'll mention some of those invasions from the north. And they had invasions from the north way back in 390 uh, BC uh, where Celts came in and took the Roman city. They didn't take the citadel. They didn't take the middle part. But they occupied most of the city. And they took a ransom and they left. And But this altered the psyche of... Romans because they forever hated the Celts. They didn't all just overtly hate them but they feared them and hate and fear are the same thing. The reason I'm going to tell you about all this stuff in the days to come is because the same thing is going on today. And by seeing I can't talk about you know I'm not supposed to attack your delusions you all think you're good guys and that the United States is a great government and country and all that stuff and there is greatness here. But you don't see the evil. And if I point it out directly, people resist it and reject that. They don't want to hear it because it it kind of attacks their sensibilities. But I can tell you about history, how they were doing it here. And then then you may equate, oh my gosh, aren't we doing the same thing now? And of course we are. And so won't the same results take place? Yes, we live in a cause and effect universe. If you go the ways of Rome, you will reap the harvest of Rome, which was destruction. If you go the way of Saul, you will fall upon your own sword. If you go the way of Christ, you will have life everlasting. So I'm going to show you in history what happened when they did a certain thing. And of course, the arrival of Christ on the scene in the process of the decay of the Roman Empire, which was the world to most people I mean you know 30% of the world's population lived in the Roman Empire that's huge huge and many of the people that lived outside of the Roman Empire nearby some of the other uh, kingdoms were vastly affected by what was going on in Rome they knew what was going on in Rome they heard about it and some of the same things you see going on in Rome with the Pax Romana which was the result of this uh, genocide and robbing of their neighbor, manipulated, calculated, robbing and decimation of entire peoples for personal gain and benefit to buy the support of the population of Rome, which had been primed already by what this degenerative habit of living at the expense of others that generates your consciousness and your mind. So if you want to, you know, the whole point, the same thing goes on back in the days of Saul, the days of Samuel, who says that if you go this way, you want a leader who can do this, 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 and this, this to make your life secure. You're going to give him the power to make choices for you. This is what's going to happen. He's going to take and take and take and take and take and take, including your sons and daughters. And when you cry out, I'm not going to hear you. Well, we've gone way beyond that. And so now you want God to hear you. How can you do that? How can you reverse that process? You have to know where, where you are, how you got here, to know how to reverse that process. The way to reverse that process Is you have to start hearing the cries of others. In order to hear the cries of others, you have to come together. Which is why Christ commanded that you come together. It doesn't mean that you jump out of the unrighteous mammon. You have to still be friends with the unrighteous mammon. Still have your job, your house, your apartment, your position, you can still vote, you can still do all these things, but you have to start thinking a different way. It will change the way in which you see the world. And God God will give you that new mind, that new way of thinking. Now there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of quotes we hear in the Bible, you know, born again, you have to be born again. Who are the born again? Who are the firstborn of the born again? What are they doing? Who are the firstborn for Moses? Who are the firstborn for Christ? Who are these people? What were they doing? What was their job? What was their activity in the day? You don't know that. You're not being taught that in the churches. So you have to turn around. And so anyway, we're going to try to give you a view of what was going on Back then, and we're going to correlate it with uh, the thing, like the the taxation uh, of Julius Caesar, uh, not of Julius, of Augustus Caesar, that is mentioned in the uh, the early part of the the Bible and, and one of the Gospels. And what was really going on? There was a big controversy about exactly when this was, because it wasn't a census at that time. And and so what what was really going on? You know, when Mary and Joseph had to go to Bethlehem and. And why they had to go there. But we're going to shed some light on that. Not to argue over the date. Or the event. But understand how and why. Christ picked that particular time. To come. That the world. Including the world of Rome. Might be saved. Of course. The world of Rome is not going to heaven. It's individuals. Who enter in a conversation. In heaven with God. And now we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. When they say our conversation, Paul says, our conversation is in heaven. What did that word mean? What was the definition of that word? Everybody who listened to the program, do you know what that meant? It meant the operation of our civil affairs. That's what the word means. It's a specifically political term. It had nothing to do with just Talking. Or converting, uh, con- conversing with God. It has to do with the operation of civil affairs. And our conversation is in heaven. And the way we can have that conversation is repentance. Repentance is a gift. It's a changing of the mind. Your mind will not be changed unless you become a doer of the word. And that becoming a doer of the word can be done in very small things at first. And then grow in you by the grace of God. Because that's where your salvation is. It's not in the ways of the world. So, let's see how much time we have left. And can we get into... I'm looking at some of the things that I could mention. There was an invasion from the north. It only got so far. There was actually one before that. Let's talk about the one before that. Uh Before the birth of Christ. Go back to... uh uh, even before Julius Caesar, there was an invasion from the north, because there were numerous of these. And, uh, I try to think of the year, probably around 80, uh, BC. The Teuton tribes were coming across the, the, some of the rivers there that had been kind of a natural boundary between them and the south. And some people say they were able to come across because the rivers froze over. It was extremely cold there for a number of years. Why it was cold there, that's another thing. There was some sort of lull in the sun, evidently. And that activity would increase, and we would see it increasing during the time of Tiberias, uh through the auroras. But before that, there was an actual global warming that took place. But back in, you know, a 100 years before the birth of Christ, there was a global cooling. And crops failed in the north, food shortages in the north, When their crops failed, they had to hunt more, the game became more scarce, and the people moved south. They could get across the river. It wasn't the river froze, and then now they just, oh, let's walk across the river. It's froze. It's dead of winter. We're going to walk. No, they had to go south because they needed to look for game. And they brought their families with them. And they brought their horses with them and their armaments. And they invaded to the south. And the Rome was afraid that it was going to invade them. And uh, this Marius goes up and eventually fights them. And he's the one who reorganizes the military of the Romans. Against the advice of Deuteronomy 17. They altered the nature of the government of the Republic. Way back then. And the process had already begun but it got even worse. With this, and there were several different elements that were changing that eventually changed the nature of the people and the way they think, which caused for this need of repentance. But anyway, then this global warming started. This is why they went back. It's because the the rivers now were thawed and they could go back (laughs) because the climate was improving. At that time when it warmed, it was one degree higher Centigrade than it is, it has been this last century, you know, in the 1900s in the world, it was higher. And it was actually a time of prosperity. But uh, anyway, we'll talk more about that when we return next time on Keys of the Kingdom. God bless. See you on the network.